Welcome back to the Whatcom Dads podcast, a weekly podcast where three guys talk about parenting here in the Pacific Northwest. I'm Chris Roselli. I'm Nathan Dwyer. And I'm Mark Bagley. This week, we interview Cesar Mesquita, Director of Admissions at Western Washington University, about the college admissions process. We provide tips on traveling with children, and we recommend easy meals we as dads like to cook for our kids. Episode 13, guys. Are you superstitious? Lucky 13. Aren't there large buildings that skip the 13th floor? I think should, most, I feel like. Should we just have skipped episode 13, or is this going to be <laughs> a disaster? Well, uh, only time will tell. That's right. That's right. Yeah, our listeners don't know, but last week we had some technical difficulties, so we got through that, so hopefully this will go pretty <laughs> smooth. So I had a minor disaster happen this week, actually, speaking of disasters. Uh-oh. Lay it on us. So for the first time since probably September, maybe August... I stepped on a scale. Whoa! And you, you know me. I'm a, I'm pretty slight of build, and um, you know I used to be an avid runner, and I knew I was gaining weight. I knew that uh, you know the open bastard cat tap at my friend's garage was uh, doing some damage, and of course the holidays and the wine advent calendar, which was a half a bottle of wine every night during Advent, which was phenomenal. But that's a Great idea. It was tremendous. So I thought, you know, I better just check and see because I had a number in mind about how much I had gained. I'd shot way past that number and I was probably the heaviest I've been in six or seven years. No way. Your face yeah. looks great. I mean, you can't, oh, is it all in, is it all in your belly? It's all in my belly and my booty. So I'm, uh, I think Nathan, you may ask, have asked about the New Year's resolutions. I'm making a, a later New Year's resolution. I got to drop these, these pounds <laughs> that I've put on. This is ridiculous. I got to get back to my fighting weight. So for our listeners who aren't from uh, Whatcom County, tell them what a bastard cat is. Uh, bastard cat is a, uh, an IPA made by a, a brewery called Colshan here in Bellingham. And it is delicious. And this friend of mine always has a keg on tap available and it's amazing that's dangerous it's a, yeah yeah it's really dangerous great friend but really yeah dangerous. what a good neighbor my gosh wow well and unlike you mark i as i think i mentioned in our last podcast i am we're doing the whole 30 this january i stepped on the scale at the end of december and i was in the same position you are and of course I don't know. We're on day 12, I think right now, or day 13 of just eating fruits, vegetables, and protein. And yeah, I've dropped like six pounds, which of course drives Amy crazy, right? Something about guys and our metabolism or something. Uh, but it feels great. I mean, I really want a chocolate chip cookie right now, but it feels really good. I was, I was eating better for about 10 days and I decided that I was going to have a cheat day, which I've done from time to time. And so <laughs> That was yesterday, and then today uh, sort of became a cheat weekend. <laughs> so uh, we will definitely uh, be starting that up again. But yeah, uh, it sounds like all three of us are in a bit of a competition. There will be no prizes, no scores, but we can encourage ourselves the next few weeks to uh, get back to fighting weight when we can podcast together in person this spring outdoors. Yeah. We're yeah. all going to be looking our best. So guys, I was at the store the other day. And I wondered if you have this same issue. We've all been wearing masks now for what, nine, 10 months or so. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have like a dress mask and then just a more casual mask? Because I was looking at my mask pile here and I realized, yeah, I've got uh, just kind of the scrappy one I'll throw on to run into the store. But sometimes when I go to work, I have sort of a nicer one. So is that a thing or is that just me? That's just you. That's just you. dude. <laughs> <laughs> My, so my problem, as you all know, is I'm a little scattered, right? I have like seven masks now. And I think I know where one of them is. It'll one, one will actually one yesterday I was folding my laundry and I put my pants on. There was a mask in the pocket. Like, I mean, it went through the wash, which is good. I washed it, but I hadn't seen that mask in, I don't know, three weeks or something. So I, I have a mask in a car. I have no idea where most of my masks are. They're all over the place. What about you, Mark? You're you're organized, man. I bet you've got masks hanging in the perfect spots where they're supposed to be all throughout. No, I I keep my masks in my car. 
because that's the only time I really wear the mask is when I go somewhere in my car. So I, there's, there are three masks and I wash them as needed and I kind of rotate them through, but it's not about color coordinating or nicer, <laughs> not as nice. It's just three masks. Robinson and Cole attorneys is proud to be a sponsor of the Wacom dads podcast. Located in downtown Bellingham, Robinson and Cole has been representing the injured and disabled of Whatcom County since 1979. If you or someone you know has been injured in an auto accident or suffered an on-the-job injury, call Robinson and Cole to schedule a free, no-obligation video consult with one of their five attorneys. Their attorneys have over 100 years of experience litigating cases against insurance companies and the Department of Labor and Industries. Call 360-671-8112 to schedule an appointment. All right, this week on our parenting topic, we are going to provide thoughts and tips on traveling with your kids. I've got a couple articles linked in the show notes talking about tips and strategies for traveling with your kids. So I thought we would just sort of give a little overview of our philosophy on traveling with kids. Having a middle schooler and a high schooler, uh, one thing that we learned is that this having the kids invested in the trip makes them want to be on the trip even more. It gets them excited about being on the trip. And then while they're on it, they get to be a part of it. So what we've done with all of our larger road trips is that as parents, we pick where we sleep and point A and point B, but we actually have the kids pick all the things we do in between. We provide a little guidance, but they pick it. And because they pick what they, what we get to do, uh, they're not bored. They're really excited and they're engaged on the trip. So I highly, highly recommend that people give their kids the the freedom to help pick what you get to do on, on road trips. A lot of our traveling with the kids were to grandparents' homes. And so it, we kind of got into a little bit of a rut, I would say. It was either going to California to see my folks or to Eastern Washington to see and that's folks, which was all fine and good. And, you know, once we got there, it was, you know, a lot of fun and family and everything. But um you know, not, not a whole lot of adventure in terms of car trips. I grew up taking car trips and loved it. Looking back at the time, I probably hated it. But <laughs> looking back, it was phenomenal. But we were we were pretty lucky with the kids growing up. We took a couple pretty nice trips, and uh, you know, including you know, tra- flying and doing some pretty special things. And so, you know, Chris, we never gave our kids the latitude that you gave your kids. But, you know, we feel we, we gave our kids some nice opportunities to see some places outside of our geographic area and kind of learn to love the world a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We've done things like make a picture itinerary for the trip. So if we're going to be gone five days, on the first day, there's a picture of an airplane. So they understand that's the travel day. And on the second day, there's a picture of the pool because we're going to be spending time out at the pool. And the third day might be the museum or the theme park. And so at least ahead of time, they have a sense of how long the trip is and what we're going to be doing each day. And so once they have that in their head, they sort of are looking forward to them and they sort of know what's coming. Uh, And then the other thing, then the other thing that you can do is if you are going somewhere neat or special, you know, you can read a book about the place ahead of time or show the kids a YouTube video. And so they get a little preview. Yeah. And well, and we started, we started allowing our kids to sort of help to pick the itinerary when they were in fourth grade. And every listener should know that the national parks has a program where if you have a fourth grader, your entire family has a national park pass for the year for free. It's, super cool and uh we're planning a road trip right now actually uh to palm springs and already the girls are doing searching online and the first thing they're doing right now is looking up ice cream shops along the way so we can have ice cream every day on the way down there (laughs) which is super cool right i mean if that's one of the great things that they're excited about i think it's totally worth it for sure so it's been pretty and you guys are so much um you're so much better at this than i ever was my philosophy was Get in the car. <laughs> We're driving until we can't drive anymore. You're not stopping for anything on the way. Okay, maybe a bathroom break, but it's like 90 seconds max. So, you know, you the two kudos to the two of you, because asking that, ask my kids, I was not fun at all as the driving dad for these family trips. Well, I appreciate that. It's funny with uh, when we were 
doing our trip to Glacier National Park, what we learned afterward was the national park, although that was our destination, really what was memorable was that entire trip and all the stops that we did along the way. So I think for our listeners, keeping in mind for your kids, even though you want to get to that destination, perhaps figuring out how you can make it a little bit more interesting along the way could be fun. And knowing you like I do, Mark, I'm going to imagine that you take a lot of pride in packing that car and making <laughs> everything fit like a puzzle. Perfect. Did you have any particular strategies you employed? With the packing? Yeah. The only strategy was I did it. Because you're right, Nathan, everything fit. It all made sense. Now, Annette did a great job um, in making sure all the kids had the stuff that they needed. Yeah for you know close reach and all that kind of stuff so they they could have that uh entertainment factor especially when they were when they were really little but yeah i was about the guy with you know measuring how many miles per the gallon we were getting I mean, <laughs> you look back just ridiculous stuff that's just awesome ridiculous stuff. i think it's great stuff that's cool you sound like a bundle of fun <laughs> does that surprise you at all though no. So what what no. did you what was your threat? Did you ever threaten to turn the car around or did you ever pull the car over? No, I I, n- I never did that, but I do remember growing up, we were leaving on a trip and my mom got so mad. Probably I'm sure I got all this stuff from her. <laughs> so mad she told my dad to stop at the next train station and she was getting off and taking the train home because she was so angry with us. It didn't happen, but I'm sure that's why I am the way I am. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so, so going back to packing, uh, we invested in one of those rooftop boxes. They've got the Yakima or the, I think it's called Thule or T-H-U-L-E. Yeah. Oh, do you put and, the kids in those? <laughs> only if they're misbehaving. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a pretty significant cost outlay up front. But man, let me tell you, they've come in handy. You can fit so much more in those things than you think you can. Uh, my wife is the packing queen in our family. When we're going on a car trip, she doesn't pack in suitcases. She packs in laundry baskets. And the reason is really twofold. Number one, they stack very easily. They're easy to carry. And number two, you can see what's in there. And if you got to reach down and grab something with the little holes in the laundry basket, in the laundry basket you're going to have easier access to it throughout the trip. Uh, the other thing is she's packs by day. So if you have everybody's clothes for day one in one basket and you get where you're going, it's going to be much easier than going through four different suitcases to get everyone's day one outfit. But ah. really, really, it's a really, really good idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we took a, a, a road trip from Bellingham to Southern California, which is about 20 hours driving with a, I'm going to say, four-year-old, one-year-old, and a puppy <laughs> and live to tell about it. I can't believe that. That's Oh, and your marriage survived somehow, some way, maybe it was five and two. I don't know, but it was, what were we thinking? How would you guys keep the radio CDs things fair? Cause that's always something that is heard in my backseat is that's not fair. He got longer than I did. <laughs> Aside from just being in charge yourself, any any strategies on that? Well, when we were traveling with the kids, we didn't have all the all the electronics. I mean, it was we had the radio, so we didn't have those kind of diversions. I mean, maybe the kids had. I mean, we had books and games and things to do, but um, there was there was the car radio. God, I sound like I'm. 87 years old. It's just ridiculous. It was AM only. It was AM only. We had no AC. The windows were down the entire way, you know, the whole thing. (laughs) Were you like the Flintstones with your feet below, just pushing the car along? Yeah, there's that beautiful trick of turning the speakers up in the back. So that way you can have your private conversation in the front. That's That's a good tip. That's a great travel tip for parents. Our kids did not have devices uh, really until they were, I don't know, probably 10. No, yeah, eight, nine, I guess. Um, and then by that time, they had their own kind of devices to sort of share and listen to, I guess. So, you know, it, it, it is kind of a shame if kids are head down and um, eyes on a screen while you're taking a car trip because there's so much that happens outside the car and beautiful things to see and great scenery. Sure. It, it can get monotonous, but it's, it's, 
as the kids got older, I know that they did miss a lot of what was going on outside the car because they had their face buried in the screen. But one of our favorite stories is we were driving over to Eastern Washington over one of the um, smaller passes and it was twilighty and out in the middle of nowhere, but it was a four lanes and there was some traffic. All of a sudden we see this domestic dog. It wasn't a coyote or a wolf. It was a domestic dog kind of running through across the, the this four-lane highway. And I kind of caught a glimpse and I said, wow, what kind of dog was that? And Ben, who might have been four or so, three <laughs> in his car seat, we didn't even know he was paying attention. He goes, that's a dead dog. <laughs> No. So you know what? That's part of the beauty of not having your face in a screen. He was yeah. paying attention to his surrounding, uh, what was going on around him, and he came up with a good one-liner. Uh, I don't know if the dog ended up being dead, but boy, it was uh, pretty funny at the time. Well, and Amy does not love particularly playing uh, road trip games. You know, we play the alphabet game where you've got to find words uh, or license plates starting with the letter A. We play, uh, I went into my grandmother's trunk, which is uh, another one that I grew up playing. Of course, the license plate game. So I'm always up for those games because I think it just sort of, it allows me to engage with the kids perhaps uh, when I'm focusing on the road. So uh, Amy, (laughs) I bet you half the time Amy passes on... um, (laughs) Planning and playing any of the road trip games. I think the best thing we've invested in, we have three kids, so we do have a vehicle with three rows, and it's difficult to get things to that third row, especially when you're driving on the freeway. So oh, yeah. I bought on Amazon one of those grabbers with the uh <laughs> oh nice the, the, oh yeah trigger like handle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And let me tell you. When uh, your five-year-old son drops his favorite stuffy, stuffed animal, which is important to bring on a trip, uh, you don't have to stop the car to pick it up. You can reach back, pick it up. There he has it again. And let me tell you, we have perfected eating in the car. We can hit through a fast food window and distribute all of the various meals. We bring along uh, a little caddy like you would put art supplies in. And Uh so we we have one for each kid. You hit the drive-thru. You got the fries in there, the sandwich. We bring along an apple, and then we just put it in the little grabber and hand it back, and we haven't even slowed down. It's uh, and these are things my wife has come up with. They're they're pretty brilliant, but yeah, that is brilliant. Grab yeah. grab a plastic bucket or caddy, and you can divvy up the divvy up the meals and hand them back that way. When Allie was really young, she was a pacifier freak, so we learned very quickly on a very early car trip that she needed three pacifiers. One in the mouth and one in each hand, because inevitably one would hit the ground, but then she'd have one in a hand to stick it in. And when that one went out, she had another one. So we always left the house with three pacifiers. Is there anything in the world that bounces at weirder, more awkward angles (laughs) than a pacifier? Those things will shoot 20 feet one direction and end up under another car. They are the worst. They are the worst. But we learned like... uh, with pacifiers, it wasn't really the three-second rules, like the 15-second rule, you know, and yeah. I was just always sucking it off and cleaning it and then giving it back to the kid. Yeah, and that and that rule increases with each kid too, right? You know, the oh, first yeah. kid is like, oh, okay, let's make sure we clean it. Yeah, and then by the time you were with Ben, you know, Ben came along, I'm sure it was just, yeah. Oh, we're giving him like rusty nails. A, to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing after the first kid, you're so cautious, and then by the next one, you're just like, eh. Yes. Be fine. Be it's fine. okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do some uh, rapid fire other tips that uh, I came across both from our experience and from looking at these articles. Uh, if you're making a packing list, laminate it and then use a dry erase marker. And then when you're done, wipe it off and use it next time. Who uh, has a laminator? Where do you go? Where do you, where do you laminate things? There's a laminator upstairs in my house right now. Okay, and for every other parent who doesn't have a laminator, you can probably go to Kinko's. Email the show, WatcomDadsPodcast at gmail.com. I'll happily laminate your packing list. I'll put the Whatcom Dads logo in the top right corner. Uh, I mentioned this in episode three when we were talking to uh, the police officer, but we bought the temporary tattoos, and those come in handy on vacation because they do. You can put one... Uh, parents' phone number on there if the kids get lost, and it doesn't have the kid's name on there, which is always important in this day and age. So, uh, 
that's that's a good one. How about this? Do uh, you guys ever give your kids a journal or a camera to sort of document the trip? Uh, we haven't. My kids aren't quite old enough yet, but I read that in one of the articles. I think that would be an interesting way to let them sort of uh, create their own memories. Yeah, our girls uh, both have journals uh, that they'll write in and color in and other things. But it's it's such a it's it's interesting you mentioned the camera piece, Nathan, because we gave the girls a little GoPro camera for Christmas a couple of years ago, just this great little knockoff camera, and accidentally the the photos that they took with their little camera ended up being really important components of our trip that are now really great memories as opposed to just relying on the parents to take the photos. So it's really a great aspect to where it's the story of our trip told through our kids' eyes, which was really cool. Whole different perspective, right? Yeah. 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 That's pretty great. And then these last few tips uh, pertain to maybe a longer trip when you're taking an airplane. Schedule your flight for the late morning, if possible. That way you miss rush hour. Uh, Might coincide with nap times. If your kids are younger, you might get a nap on the plane. Uh, The kids enjoy having their own suitcases. And in fact, if they do have their own suitcases that are age appropriate, they're going to pull them along. So uh, it takes one more thing off your back. And then if you do need a layover on your trip, you know, Typically, if I was traveling myself, I'd want the shortest one, but maybe a longer layover with kids just to get them out, get them to walk around. I know a lot of the airports, including SeaTac, have sort of a kids area for uh, times when uh, we're not in the midst of a pandemic, just to get some of that energy out for the kids. And then finally, something that we've done, which I think really can make a trip so much better if you have the ability to do so, do two things. One, schedule a downtime off day in the middle of your trip. You can use it to sit by the pool. You can use it to do your laundry and just refresh, especially with younger kids. If you try and go, go, go every day, it's going to catch up with you. And the other thing is, if you can come back a day before you have to go back to work or the kids have to go back to school, it makes that transition so much easier. So if you can fly back on a Saturday and just spend Sunday getting back into your rhythm, it's really going to make that next week go much, much better. So hopefully that helps. Again, links to articles in the show notes. Uh, Traveling with your kids is a ton of fun, but uh, maybe some of this will help you get it done a bit smoother. Let me tell you, though, as great as it is traveling with kids, when the kids are out of the house, it's really great not traveling (laughs) with kids. Something for everyone to look forward to. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Mount Bakery Cafe. Mount Bakery has two locations in Bellingham to serve hungry dads and their families. They have something for everyone, from hot breakfasts to grab-and-go goods to a variety of breakfast cocktails. Delicious. For my family, I love the classic breakfast with scrambled eggs and bacon. Amy loves their tomato benedict, and Lexi loves their strawberry chocolate crepe, and Alyssa loves their chocolate chip cookies. During the current COVID restrictions, you can enjoy their full menu with heated outdoor seating downtown, or you can visit them in Fairhaven for grab-and-go pastries, quiche, soup, and delicious drinks. Check them out at mountbakery.com. On today's podcast, we are fortunate to have the Director of Admissions at Western Washington University, Mr. Cesar Mesquita. He's been the Director of Admissions at Western for five years, and he's worked in admissions for more than 20 years at various colleges throughout the country. Uh, Cesar, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. It's a joy. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you all in the broader Watkin community. Right on. Well, before we get started, could you give us a little bit of background where you worked before Western and maybe a little bit of your own personal story as well? Originally from Brazil, and um, my dad at the time was pursuing a PhD in in agricultural engineering. And it turns to us, I was a junior in high school, 17 years old at the time, turns to us kids and says, hey, how about we go abroad and I pursue a, a doctoral degree? We're like, yeah, especially the choices that he relate to us said, University of Florida. We're going, yes, absolutely, Florida. Well, as luck turns out, we ended up in Lincoln, Nebraska. So here it is a fish out of water (laughs) tale of myself going from Brazil to Nebraska. And life takes hold, right? I mean, you make it work. You're resilient during that young age. And uh, I made the U.S. my home at that point. I've been a U.S. citizen now since in my late 20s. And the college admission uh, career just 
came calling out. I was pursuing at the time uh, two different paths. One was in the student affairs, more traditional student affairs work at, at Colorado State, or what turned out to be the choice then uh, that I made was the University of Denver. Started out there in uh, the year 2000. Worked at a couple of other uh, institutions, uh, more notably uh, uh, College of Worcester in Ohio, Antioch College in Ohio, and then more recently, University of Idaho. All it took was a visit to Bellingham in that summer of 2016. <laughs> and I looked, at, I looked at Megan and I said, okay, let's just buy the burial plot right out back because this is it. This is absolutely fantastic. And made the move, tender move, as you can imagine, with three kids in tow. The yeah. oldest at the time was going to start high school at the time. And I've been now here uh, you know, for just over four years, starting my fifth and son who's a, a freshman in college and two daughters in high school, one who's a senior and one who's a freshman, everybody's thriving. Everybody's doing really well in that space. So wow. I'm glad to be part of the Bellingham and the Whatcom County community, no doubt. So what are some important things that parents might not know about when they're walking their kids through the college admissions process? And sounds like you can speak to it both from your profession and from a dad yourself having gone through it pretty recently. Every professional on the other side of the desk, they are there because of their true care for empowering families for making an informed decision in their process. And it is up to us, and I take this with, with great pride, it is up to us to help synthesize what it is that we know about the process, we know about our institutions, we know about our home communities, and listen to the questions, listen to the things that are important to you and your student. And for us to synthesize, that's the word truly that comes to mind, synthesize that information and present to you information that we really hope will empower you and your student. Oftentimes, I see families engage in the process with a sense of anxiety, which is natural uh, when you're dealing with, with this kind of an experience and the cost associated with uh, the investment in a college education, but with a great deal of skepticism, wondering, gosh, these people are just trying to they're just trying to take my money. They're just trying to, to send me on a wild goose chase with this kind of information. Couldn't be farther farther from the truth. These are caring professionals, most of whom graduated from their institutions that they represent. And they're there to really help empower you with some good information in your process for you and your student. These are when uh, my wife and I went through the college application process with our two kids. It was a pretty stressful time. Not only for us, but for them, of course, the kids, because uh, they're right in the in the thick of it. What advice do you have for both parents and their children to make it more of a joyous um, process, you know, full of adventure and discovery? What do, what do you tell people to help them understand that this is actually a, it, it can be a really a fun and enlightening process? Yeah, the, the, the couple of things come to mind. One, um, rely on your support networks, number one, and then check in with each other, number two. And I'll expound on the second one a bit more. Rely on your support networks. Uh, high school counselors also are there to help students throughout this process. They, high school counselors are overwhelmed uh, with a lot of other duties and responsibilities throughout their day. There are students who are there in their offices for disciplinary reasons, for change of schedules, for getting off, for, for dealing with all sorts of other traumas in their lives. And the school counselor is there to help with a myriad number of, of issues. And the college counseling aspect is one of them, but they are really there to help steward the, the process on, on behalf of the student and, and to be there with the student along the way. Uh, the second one is to really allow yourself a bit of vulnerability of checking in with your student. What is going on? How is this process? How is it that I can help? And the piece of advice there is to trust in each other to know that you have the, ultimately the student's best interest at heart in this. The student needs to really be the one driving this process, but it, they do not have, they should not be doing it alone. It is a significant commitment financial for many families. The analogy that one of my colleagues in the profession says, I wouldn't be giving 400 or I wouldn't be giving $600,000 for my kid to go out and buy a house on their own. Similarly, I wouldn't be having them make this decision independently on their own. It needs to be a partnership. And in that partnership, it is one of the, the, the key piece of advice is to check 
with your student with some frequency, with some uh, some periods of time throughout the months, throughout the weeks. Just check in and say, how are you? What are the deadlines? How can I help? Do you need assistance with your college application essay? And um, dinner time conversations is one of those spaces that can provide at least one of those environments to explore those things. So Cesar, if you're a first generation student, let's say your parents didn't go to college and may not understand the process and really the whole family is going through this together for the first time. Are there resources for parents that you're aware of that they could access just to help understand? Because it, it can be pretty complex and pretty scary. The biggest resources truly are, as I indicated, uh, uh, two, and I'm going to add a third. One, as I noted, the, the, the school counselor, no doubt. The college and universities uh, representatives, the university representatives, a second one. And there are many great community-based organizations that work with students and their families to help empower them or, inst- or, or, or guide them in finding the right information here. In Whatcom County, Futures Northwest is perhaps one of the more prominent ones that I would put out there. A great uh, local nonprofit here that works with students with the number of the middle schools, but primarily with the high schools in the area. And they have those tr- the trained staff who are able to identify uh, issues and topics that are more prominent for first-generation families to be aware of. Cesar, you mentioned, of course, that college is expensive. And of course, I think most people recognize that and it gets more expensive every year. What would you say to a family or a student who simply just doesn't think that they can afford a college education? Yeah, it comes up every time. Even Whether you're, you're a student applying to a state institution like a Western uh, or, or even a very premier priced Ivy League institution, Every, fam- every student and every family is going to have their different threshold of what, what, what the comfort is with, in terms of cost and affordability. So the price tag and the final cost are two different things. What oftentimes families are not aware of is that the college and universities recognize also that it is a significant investment. But if you're a student who has demonstrated financial need, you will actually find yourself in a position to be receiving grants and scholarships and in some cases loans to help you afford that experience. If you do not try, what I say to families is, look, look, if you do not apply for admission, if you do not apply for scholarships, if you do not submit the FAFSA or the WASFA, you will not know what, what may be coming your way. So attempting is the only way in which you can figure that out. Last year, going through this experience with my son, it was incredibly eye-opening, something that I already knew professionally, but going through it as a dad was quite eye-opening to see how a school that in our list, in his final list, we thought would be the most affordable on the final cost, and then one of the pricier ones. Well, as it turned out, one of the pricier ones had significant resources in terms of of endowment and scholarships. Mm -hmm. They were able to make an offer that would have been, over the course of four years, $25,000 $25,000 less than the institution, than one wow. of the in-state institutions. And really quickly, just for the audience who may not, members who may not know, uh, could you briefly explain what the FAFSA and the WAFSA is? Yeah, I get caught up in our nomenclature here. <laughs> the, 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 FAFSA, the FAFSA, it stands for the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. So if for students who, for any student uh, who wants to go to college, Submitting the FAFSA is the best way for you to identify whether you qualify for uh, federal grants and loans, even for work-study dollars. If you're a student who wants to get a a job on campus, there's a program called Work-Study in which you receive federal dollars to help pay for that position to get a job on campus. So grants, loans, on-campus employment from the federal government, and oftentimes the institutions as well. So a school like Western that I work for, we use the information submitted on that FAFSA application to determine whether you qualify for some of our own institutional grants and uh, employment dollars. So that is one of the critical ones. The WASFA is one for, there are many students because of their uh, documentation status may not qualify for applying for the federal application. They qualify for the Washington application for student financial assistance, WASFA, WASFA. So those students are also able to uh, find out whether they afford college through the state assistance. Awesome. Thanks. Mm -hmm. 
So aside from test scores and grades, what are some other things that stand out to a college admissions officer? And what sorts of things could a listener do as their kid works through high school to try and make their student a more attractive applicant? Students more often than not, and this this happened last year going through it with my son. Some of his peers would reach out and we would talk a little bit about it. And they oftentimes will think that it was about padding the resume. No, it is not about padding your resume. It is about speaking truthfully and genuinely about the things that matter to you. Simply put, we do not like to see students who are an inch deep and a mile wide. We want to see students who are able to write about or talk to somebody in an interview format, perhaps, talk to somebody about the things that matter to them. So it's, it might seem almost trite and almost superficial, some of the things that I'm talking about, but it's truly not because what we really want is we want that genuine aspect of somebody who is going to add to the community, our community at Western, for example, and feel like, gosh, we really would be honored to have this kind of student join us over here. And we feel like, hey, we also have some awesome things to extend to the students so that they continue to add and to grow and to thrive in our space. I have a, a good colleague when I used to work at University of Idaho, I made good friends with this uh, gentleman who used to do, who used to conduct interviews for Harvard. He was a Harvard alum, so he'd conduct interviews for Harvard. And you can imagine a place like Harvard uh, where, where they accept you know, single digit percentages of students applying to that institution. And I used to do a lot of those same kind of things at other, at other schools. And it isn't so much about the number of activities that you engage in, but it's about your introspection about the role that you had and the impact in the community, or even your be able, you being able to reflect on what it meant to you. Those, and, and he and I would talk about this regularly, those were the best essays, or the, those were the best interviews. Now, if you're a student who has done something absolutely brilliant that you think, this student participated in this lab research, or they went on this particular mission trip and did amazing things. Of course, you want to be able to showcase those, but it's much more about getting into what is it about you that makes uniquely you. I will say that the foremost piece, though, just go back a little bit, foremost piece of that whole application experience is to look at the student's overall credential and the academics. What were the classes that they selected? Did they take the highest level math available to them while in high school? Were they able to take advanced placement or AP classes or running start here in, in Washington State in order to prepare themselves for that next experience? That is the foremost bar none piece that, of the college application experience. And we spent a lot of time there, no doubt. Well, yeah, Cesar, I'm really glad you said that about padding the resume because uh, we had many conversations with our daughter in her high school years because she always said, well, I need to do this for the college application for the college resume. And so I think it's a really important um, takeaway for parents is to really encourage their kids about the depth, not the breadth. So I, I appreciate you um, bringing that up. Speaking of parents, my kids were very independent and they wanted to do a lot of the work themselves and didn't want mom and dad very involved. We know parents who were, in our opinion, way too involved in the application process for their kids insofar as even mm -hmm. filling out the application for their kids. How do you find that happy medium? Each family is going to have to find their own happy medium about what it means to to cut the umbilical cord. And I'm being a bit you know, flippant over here, a bit you know, uh, uh, facetious here, but it is about some aspect of growing independence for that student. The other analogy that I use perhaps a little bit better is it is about changing your modality as a parent from being a coach to being a cheerleader. It's a difference, right? You're not on the sideline any longer helping call the plays or helping make sure that the tactics and the strategies are right. You're now more in the stands cheering on all the things that the student is going to hopefully do well and accomplish. And this one with the college search process, because there is a lot of stress associated with it, the tension usually comes about in these situations where for so many years, there has been an aspect of 
the students and the family's lifestyle choices or the or 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 the functioning in their household dynamic has been where the parents have taken on a lot of those executive functions so helping manage schedules helping manage you know starting early on helping manage play dates helping manage schedule helping manage trips helping manage finances well that's all fine but at some point I will guarantee you that your teen will grow into a space where they will want, even if they don't necessarily exclaim it, they will want to engage more directly, more independently with some of their own choices. And each family is going to have to determine what does that happy medium look like. So starting with the college, the list of the college, the college that that student wants to even explore that is perhaps one of those spaces right there. More often than not, I would run into situations where parents were keen on their student because they felt the student was going to be a great fit at this particular college. The parents were keen on the student applying to that school. And the student oftentimes telling me, no, I really don't want to go there. But my dad keeps telling me that I should apply there. But how are you going to interfere with that kind of family dynamic? You're put in a tough spot and say, well, were you able to tell your parents why it is that it's important for you to take more ownership for this? I do know this, that giving the student more of the wheel to steer the process on their own and to have you nearby, perhaps on the co-pilot seat right there, the passenger seat, is, is, is the way to go. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Western specifically. Uh, we do get a lot of students from Whatcom County, which I think is where most of our yeah. listeners would be living, of course. Uh, so actually, I think we have an application deadline coming up here pretty quickly. So tell us a little bit about the application deadline. And then, of course, a little bit more about Western's process. Yeah, the app, for, for families out there listening about Western, 31st of, of January is the application deadline for institution. We, of course, will continue to process applications thereafter. But we, we put these deadlines more as an incentive for families to get things on time. More often than not, it's to also help the families for the process thereafter, because by applying by the 31st, what's going to happen is that you will receive a letter of decision, hopefully it admit, a letter of decision by early March. And keep this in mind, if you get a letter of admission by early March and a financial aid package by late March, you effectively have the entire month of April in order to then go about exploring what all the other great fit schools for you and for your student. And yeah, so in many regards, uh, the Western experience will be one where uh, we will spend a lot of time looking at a students. And very similarly, we, we ask students to submit their high school transcripts, their application essay to tell us a little bit more about themselves and as a student. And we use that essay particularly to help us also identify a student for eligibility for scholarships. So two new terms our family learned during the college application process were early decision and early action. Can you briefly tell us the difference between those two? Yeah, early, absolutely. Early decision is the, uh, the one that often gets the most attention is because, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about the insider baseball here as well. This is a great example. Early decision is a, is an early, uh, application process whereby if a student applies early decision to a school they and get admitted to that school, they are by the agreement of the early decision application experience agreeing to enroll at that institution and forego all other applications to every other college university. So invariably what that means is that students will usually only apply early decision or ED in the industry, right? And ED sometimes can mean different things, but in this case, it's early decision. <laughs> early decision, I'll stick with that one. Early decision, they will apply early decision to one school and one school only. And then they can still apply early action to other schools. And early action, and Western has an early action deadline of November 1st, where if you apply early by that date, say Western November 1, you will then find out relatively early in the process. So in our case, you had a decision in before the holidays, but is not committing you to enroll at an institution. That's the biggest distinction between early decision. It commits you to enrolling at that institution if admitted. Early action, no, it does not commit you to enrolling. You find out early, but it's non-committal in that regard. The insider baseball piece to early decision is this. Now put yourself in the shoes of an administrator of a college university. Who knows that if you are a student applies early decision 
you only apply to one early decision school. So that means that your interest in that one early decision school is extremely high. So the likelihood of you enrolling if it admitted, if admitted to early decision is extremely high. So what happens in early decision, most colleges where there is such a program, the percentage of students admitted early decision is many times larger than the percentage of students who apply early action or regular decision at that same school. So if you have a student who is interested in early decision, explore that with great care, see if the, all of the other fit qualifiers as far as affordability, as far as location, as far as availability of major, as far as community fit. If all of those things that you check the boxes and they, it looks okay, I would strongly encourage you to look at the early decision program because the likelihood of the student getting admitted is significantly greater than if your student were to apply regular decision or through an early action program. Cesar, thank you so much for giving us your time. You've obviously got a very important job you bring and, and your team bring so many great students to our community and we're really grateful for all you do. So thank you so much. Thank you all so much. You as well, members of the community, you are a great part of uh, what makes us all successful. So thank you all, gentlemen. Whatcom Talk publishes positive community features online about the people, businesses, and organizations doing good things all around Whatcom County. And readers will never hit a paywall or barrage of ads while visiting the site to read stories or check out its event calendar. Whatcom Talk is a free community resource. Local business owners can partner with Whatcom Talk to sponsor stories on behalf of our schools, organizations, and nonprofits, while also getting a brand in front of the community. So spend a few minutes at www.whatcomtalk.com, and you're sure to find compelling stories that remind you why we all love to live, work, and play in Whatcom County. This week on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we're heading to the kitchen. What, what was your go-to with the kids and why'd you like it? So um, my, my first go-to uh, is spaghetti. That was always a, an easy one for the for me to make and for the kids enjoyed. I like to use the, the Lowry's dry seasoning packet, the extra thick um, variety. Put a little can of tomato paste, some water, a half pound of ground beef, mix it up. It takes maybe 15, 20 minutes max, and of course, a bowl full of noodles, and it is actually really, really good. Way better than the canned uh, spaghetti saucer that you can buy in the store. Well, there's nothing more fun being a dad making breakfast for dinner for your kids. So uh, we, I make pancakes for the kids or waffles, depending on what they're interested in. Usually I'll throw uh, some chocolate chips on it or uh, make some sort of special flavored waffle for them, make them into special shapes. The kids still ask if I will make um, an A and an L pancake for them for each of their names. Uh, and then of course, I always try to throw some fruit in there and make it healthy, but it, it, I think it just goes with being a dad to make breakfast for dinner. It's one of our favorite things to do. My go-to quick one is the French dip. Uh, all you need is, you know, some roast beef, one packet of au jus mix and, uh, some cheese and some rolls. And, uh, you can have a hot meal in under 10 minutes with, uh, <laughs> heating up that au jus, throwing the meat in there for a couple minutes and then toasting those uh, rolls. Uh, and you can even fancy it up for the adults. You could throw some onions or horseradish or something on there, but yeah, French dip, quick, easy. You can basically have the cheese and meat on hand and, and throw that together so quickly. So the one that was the favorite for Ben and myself, Annette and Allie never liked it. It's called the work meal. And the work meal consists of white rice, hamburger, and ketchup. Wow. <laughs> it that, is. That sounds um, amazing, actually. <laughs> it, let me tell you, it is so good. So you make the rice, you put the ground beef on top, and then you the ketchup, and then mix it all together. To this day, Ben says, Dad, I don't know why this is so good, but this is one of my favorite meals. And it costs like, you know, 87 cents or whatever. And it is fantastic. Maybe it's just a boys thing. The girls, like I said, don't like it. But Ben and I go to meals. Still free. If Annette's out of town, I'll make the work meal like three nights in a row for myself. 
Well, that's so funny that you mentioned that, Mark, because literally the other one that I have down, we make burrito bowls, which imagine the ingredients in a burrito, but just throw them all into a bowl with rice. And we've got ground turkey in there. We'll throw in some lettuce, all those ingredients. Everybody can choose avocado or whatever else. And you just kind of stir it all up and uh, throw in some tortilla chips on top to give it a little crunch. And you've got yourself a really simple, simple meal. Yeah, we do a pasta that's pretty quick. We'll take a kielbasa sausage, slice it up, just throw it in the saute pan for a couple of minutes, toss in an onion, maybe a pepper, and then just any kind of pasta that we have. And then in a pinch, get that on the table under 15 minutes pretty quick. Well, there you have it. Six meals. You only need to get one more together and you've got yourself a whole week of deliciousness. And please send in your pictures of the work meal to the uh, Whatcom Dad's email box. Oh, I would so, love, so good. I'd love to see what uh, spins different people put on that. <laughs> again to Cesar Mesquita for joining us today. And thank you also to our sponsors, Robinson and Cole Attorneys, the Mount Bakery Cafe, and Wacom Talk. Check out the links in our show notes to each sponsor. Make sure you visit and like our Facebook page. We're going to mail special edition Wacom Dads podcast hats to the next three people that post a parenting topic idea for discussion on a future episode. Next week, we interview a local preschool teacher, Sherry Heldy. We discuss babysitters, and on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we share our favorite children's musicians that we like to jam to with our kids. I just saw my wife trip and fall while carrying a laundry basket full of ironed clothes. I watched it all unfold. I made a playlist for hiking. It's got music from Peanuts, The Cranberries, and Eminem. I call it my trail mix. This last joke comes from our loyal listener, Jay. Dad, can you put my shoes on? No, I don't think they'll fit me. <laughs>